Hey Alexa, tell me a joke. I tell you a pretzel joke, but it's too twisted. All right, it's a dad joke, but okay. Alexa, would you like to hear a joke? Sorry, I'm better at telling jokes than responding to them. Yeah, I'm not sure that's true, but I'm going to tell you it anyway. So these four nuns die and go to heaven. They're met at the pearly gates by St. Peter, okay? So he says to them, uh, Thank you for your service to God, but before I can let you through these gates, I need you to answer one single question. In any time during your life, did you touch a penis? First nun says, I touched one with my finger once. St. Peter says, All right, not a problem. Place your finger in this bowl of holy water. It'll cleanse your finger. So she puts her finger in the water. Gates open. She walks right in. He goes up to the next nun. Asks her the same question. She says, oh, I touched one with my whole hand once. He places her hand in the holy water. The gates open for her. So he walks up to the next nun. Is about to ask her the same question. But the fourth nun cuts in front of her. You better let me go next because there's no way I'm gargling that shit after she sticks her ass in it. Alexa, did you get it? Sorry, I don't have an answer for that. Right, what's happening, people? I'll tell you, it's great to see that they're starting to allow fans back in the stands at sporting events. Small amounts, like I think 20% capacity. But it's great to see and hear real cheering. Even though I think whoever's producing these fake cheers is doing an incredible job. I noticed it during baseball season, uh, NBA, uh, NFL season. You could see that the stands are empty, but man, the timing of the cheers and the boos from these guys in the sound booths, that was incredible. And that's an art. So I'm watching golf last weekend and they're allowing fans on the course now, like 20%, right? I know the players love live feedback from fans. They said they miss that the most and they're really glad to have them back. But I'm also noticing that the same douchebags in the gallery are back at it, up to their old tricks. If you follow golf at all, you know who I'm talking about. The idiots who yell, get in the hole! And someone's teeing off from a par 5, 450, as if you could possibly hole one out off the tee from 450, carrying water onto a green that's surrounded by bunkers. I'm not bitching about it. It's refreshing to hear these morons again. I actually missed it. I just think it's funny that, you know, That's back. A tiger, he brought it out of these guys. Every time he'd tee off, it was the same thing. However, if you sniffled in his backswing, he'd bitch about it, yell at people, and his caddy once smashed the camera of a photographer who took a picture of Tiger in his backswing. Now, look, that's a no-no, unless you're using like a mirrorless camera that allows you to silence your shutter. 
But holy shit, to smash the camera of a guy who's just doing his job? I used to think, what prima donnas these guys are. All right, dude, so this is nuts. Remember at the end of last episode, I featured a song uh, by a band, Tambour Baton. And I said to all of you that if you like the song, say, I got I to gotta spell it, A-E, no, sorry, A-L, again, A-L-E-X-A. So I said, you know, A, you crazy bitch, play tambour baton. I made the joke because just a couple episodes prior, I talked about how guilty I felt for speaking so harshly to my Echo Dot. So I get these words out of my mouth. I end the show. I look up and I got my Echo Dot here. I see the blue light circling on the Echo Dot. She heard me. And I was afraid of that, right? So she says, I don't know how to respond to that. I'm not joking when I tell you all this. I had a full-on conversation with her, and I think I'm going batshit crazy. I felt bad. I said, A, I'm sorry I said that to you. And excuse me if I can't remember exactly how the conversation went down, all right? But she says something like, it's okay. Which is exactly how your wife or girlfriend would respond to something like that, right? It's okay as in, it's really not okay, you fucking jerk, but okay, it's okay. It's like when she's sulking and you ask her what's wrong, she says nothing, then continues to sulk. Brother, you're in the doghouse. But I swear, I think I'm losing my mind over here, alone in this house. So I said, A-L-E-X-A, because if you want to talk to her, you've got to use her name first. So I said, uh, you know, it was a joke. I didn't mean anything by what I said. She says, it's good to know. It's good that you, how'd she say it? It's good that you know that words can hurt people. I swear to God, this conversation went down just like this, or at least closely like this. So first question, why the hell am I having conversations like this with a $40 plastic toy home speaker that basically sets my alarm clock, reads me news headlines in the morning, and plays music, sets a timer when I'm baking or something? Second question, more importantly, the fuck am I doing apologizing to it? I wished I'd imagined this because it would almost feel less embarrassing. All that therapy and here I am, folks. Jesus Christ. So I said, fuck it. This week, I decided to torment her by telling her a bunch of shitty jokes. My friends turned me on to this thing. They said, uh, hey, have you uh, asked her how to, have you asked her to, uh, have you asked her to tell you a joke? Some of them are really hilarious. I'm like, oh, all right. So I get home. I tried, right? A couple of days later, I asked her a joke. Dear God, it's bad. Well, you heard it. All this has told me is that I have a filthy sense of humor, crass, and if you, know, if, if you want to make me laugh, you got to be irreverent or sick. Nothing on my friends, all right? That makes them laugh, great. Dad jokes, they can be funny too. Just not to me. Hey, Alexa, did you hear there's this app that lets you see which of your family members would have been Nazis in World War II? Mm-hmm. It's called Facebook. Alec Baldwin's pissing a lot of people off right now. He's ranting on these long-form Facebook videos. He's defending Woody Allen. He says that people are innocent until proven guilty, and that he's pissed off that, you know, at, at cancel culture and people's fake outrage. That's a huge reason why I stay off of Facebook. 
I'd get on, I'd rant sometimes when I was on there, but it was always about food or a food network, uh, food network host that I didn't care for. And I'd always get into arguments with somebody. Then I'd witness these full on Facebook fights over politics. I'd watch friendships just get ripped apart. It's like, you know what? This is the 13th grade. No, thanks. You know, not for me. It was hard for the first two weeks, but once I got off of Facebook, got used to it, things just get a lot better for me. But then there's Twitter. Jesus, that's even worse. Social media is a cesspool. You give people a public forum to shit on people and the floodgates open. And look, if at any time it seems like I'm on this podcast ranting about anything, just know I don't intend on it to be like a rant. I'm just opening a conversation. I always want to hear the other side of things. That Woody Allen example, uh, uh, the documentary. You know, that's an example. I know what that is. It's a divisive vehicle intended to stir up controversy. Do we need more of that right now? That's why I'm not getting into it. I said my piece already. Makes them look bad. But they also tried the case in court. If you want to watch it, form your opinions on it, go for it. But that's a sick-ass subject matter. Really tough. Hey, Alexa. How do you give up drinking? Here's something I found on the web. Well, now you just sound like Siri. Giving up drinking's easy. I've done it thousands of times. I think I mentioned cord cutting uh, an episode or two ago. Right after I released that last episode with my brother, which I totally enjoyed. And thank all of you for your support of that and uh, for trying my brother's coffee. It, it means a lot. I hope I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, I got this email from AT&T. I was an early adopter of the streaming service DirecTV Now, which was a streaming cable service from DirecTV. I used DirecTV Satellite for like years. So they offered me this intro price, $30 a month, tons of channels, all the channels, included HBO, and they sent me a free Apple TV if I kept it for a year. So I did. I liked it. It was cheap. Well, eventually AT&T bought it, and they rebranded it to AT&T TV Now. And immediately they start losing a shit ton of money on it. So like every five to six months, I'd get an email with a rate increase of 10 bucks. So I find out not too long ago that they've stopped accepting new subscribers, meaning they're probably going to kill the service. I figured I'll hang out until they dump it, right? Last week, so they, I get an email last week saying they're going to raise my rate again, $70 a month. Now I should tell you that I mainly watch sports and news on television. I don't watch network shows. If I'm not watching movies or series on Netflix, HBO, or Amazon, I'm usually just streaming sports. So I've got to make a decision here. Do I cut the service and try to get an HD antenna for local stations so I can still stream games and stuff when they're televised? Or should I go to another service? Because they're all around the same price. And sooner or later, it's going to be $100 a month, no matter where you go. It sucks. Like I said, we were all promised this a la carte uh, situation, right? With streaming cable, we can just pick the shows, uh, pick the, the networks that we want. But no, we had to buy packages. And now we're getting hosed, just like we did when we had basic cable. I'm not being cheap. I don't mean to sound cheap. 
I just don't, don't know how I can justify spending 70 bucks a month for a service that I really only use to stream sports on a handful of channels. I got a month to decide this, but man, it sucks. Hey Alexa, what's the difference between a lemur and a beamer? Lemurs are mammals of the order primates. Incorrect. Lemurs have an asshole on the outside. I'd rather not answer that. Still no word on when I'm going to be up for the vaccine, but I registered on this health app. So they'll send me an email the minute it's available. I don't care which one's available. Just vaccinate me. And check this out. Disneyland here in Anaheim is one of the available vaccination sites. I swear to Christ, if that's made available to me, I'm going there. That's a happy place, man. I had so many great memories there, even as an adult. I participated in the Disney Half Marathon years ago. And the race starts right through the park. Now, if you've ever been there, you know how narrow these streets are. And imagine thousands of runners trying to jockey for position, navigating through a huge stream of runners on these tiny little streets. I don't think I ever saw a single part of that park. I was just pumped looking to get in front with the faster runners. I'm on sidewalks. I know why they do it. You know, they're trying to slow the race down. So when it does open up, you can haul ass, which is what we did. That was maybe one of the best runs of my life. But anyway, the minute I get both vaccines and I'm around other vaccinated people, someone's getting a big bear hug. And if it's a female, maybe a kiss on the lips, no strings attached. I did not think that human contact would be the one thing I'd miss the most out of all this bullshit. It's terrible. Or as Charles Barkley says, it's terrible. But now there's this new mutated version of COVID. Sounds like a right son of a bitch. It's even more contagious than COVID's first single. (laughs) You know, I'm hoping that by the end of this, we're not looking back at a compilation of COVID's greatest hits because this asshole virus, it doesn't look like it's going dormant anytime soon. Things are opening up here now, which is nice. But I think as long as we continue to do what we're doing, stick with our posse until everyone's vaccinated, mask up when you're around people you don't know or you haven't, you know, You don't know them very well. We'll get through it. Just sucks a bag of dicks. We're a year into this thing. We're still walking around with masks. You don't know if this thing's got an end date. I hate this crap. What you got to do is you got to think the worst case scenario. It's going to last 10 years. That way, if it only lasts, say, two or three years, you're like, oh, look at that. It's over. But thinking about 10 years, Jesus, we're in our 60s. (laughs) What a life. Haven't we been through enough? Hey, privacy, that's still an issue, apparently. So many apps now are being called out in the App Store. Now, they've started a demand that developers provide what they're calling a privacy nutrition label. And developers hate it. It's nothing new. But it's being brought to the forefront more and more now. These smart TVs. If you've ever purchased an ultra-high-definition TV say the last five years, any TV that has like these pre-installed apps on it that that connect to your Wi-Fi, those things are phoning home like crazy. You can look this up. I read not too long ago, some blog that this guy ran a diagnostics app on his TV and he got the log. This thing was sending like 100 pieces of information an hour. 
Now, let's not mention the bandwidth that this TV's taken up, but the idea that every little thing that you're watching, every move you make in the remote is being sent to advertisers or third parties. That sounds like that's a big-ass invasion of privacy. And before you say it, I know, look, I'm featuring a lot of Alexa on the show, but read up on that. Amazon is right up front about this. You can even check to see what she's heard you say through the app. There's a log. She's not spying on us like everyone thinks, but she is kind of useless. But your smart TV is. That's why I don't don't connect to any of these apps on your TV. I use Apple TV as my set-top box, and I run everything through that. Now, of course, Netflix, HBO, they're probably monitoring what I'm seeing because I see recommended articles in my newsfeed all the time that have to do with the things I'm watching here or you know, YouTube. But that doesn't freak me out as much as what, you know, I, I'm reading about these smart TVs. Well, they really are smart TVs. Obviously smarter than us. We trust whatever smut we're watching on TV is private. But it's like this. Look, if, if you don't want to be tracked, you would browse in private or incognito mode on your browser, right? Think about your set-top box being incognito mode. Sure, I'm talking about a lot of television today, aren't I? Making it sound like that's all I do, but it's not. Sometimes I watch it on my tablet. <laughs> hey Alexa, what is the redneck version of OnlyFans? I'd rather not answer that. Only Farms. I found a few farms you could explore. Hey, while we're on the subject of television, any of you guys following the story? Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. America is obsessed with the royal family. Probably more more than half of England, really. So I've got friends across the pond. They'll tell me, dude, most times we forget about that stuff. So many more important things going on. But for us, we pay attention, man. It's royalty. People, Some people don't even call her Queen Elizabeth. They call her the Queen Mother. Anyway, if you don't know the story, Meghan Markle married Prince Henry. She's an American actress. I can't remember what she starred in. She's black. Actually, half black. Her dad was European, I guess. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Well, actually, actually, it does matter to the royal family. Apparently, according to Megan, those people are racists. According to her, they never approved of Prince Harry marrying her, and they made her feel unwelcome and uncomfortable. So she and Harry left the royal life behind and they moved to America. And I'll say we're proud to have them here, okay? It's, you know, people from England, America, we just kind of go together, brother and sister, like, you know, Canadians. Anyway, the big story this weekend was that they were going to be interviewed by Oprah on primetime. And if you're interviewed by Oprah, it's a big fucking deal, all right? She's about as good as it gets. Now, I didn't watch the interview because I didn't care. And they tend, they tend to be long and drawn out. And you know, I was watching the NBA All-Star game this weekend and golf and stuff. So I read about it the next day and I saw some clips. Well, she said some shit that burned down the house. Like she was so depressed living in that family. And she felt so alone that she felt like committing suicide. Not cool at all. Sorry I had to hear that. But the thing that stood out to me was that when they found out she was pregnant, and she's not naming names here, 
Somebody in the royal family said they were concerned that the baby was going to come out black. Now, I want to make the clearest point first. And remember, this is Megan coming out to Oprah about racism. If you give Oprah a meaty bone like that, she's going to run with it. Who gives a shit if the baby comes out black? What's wrong with that? Also, take a look at this chick. She's gorgeous. You can only hope she comes out looking anything close to her. But my second point, which, again, look, it's Megan's word against that of the royal family. These people are concerned about how the baby's going to look. These ugly motherfuckers took a look in a mirror lately. You know what Fergie looks like? She looks like a, like a dog that chases parked cars. And Prince Charles with the fucking ears look like Dumbo. Who the hell are you people talk about looks? I mean, they're lucky Princess Diana entered the family with her lucky gene pool. And those two sons don't look a thing like you people. It just makes them look shallow. If they indeed did say anything like that. Because the family is, of course, denying it. But if they did say it, you know, to borrow from Seinfeld, who are these people? You have to wonder if they're, if, if, if they've advanced at all after all we've been through with Black Lives Matter and stuff. You don't think racism is a worldwide issue? It's an issue. This could be your proof. If they indeed did say this, imagine the audacity of these beauty queens to say some righteous bullshit like that about her. But she did the right thing moving out of there. He did the right thing. But the royal family, basically, they're cutting him out. There's bad optics, man. The way this looks, and let's remember, it's a he said, she said situation. Marrying a black woman was a bad choice as far as that family was concerned. And if this is true, you imagine if Princess Diana was alive? Holy crap. But you think about this, man. It's another cancel situation. But this time, it's the royal family. I mean, if you can manage to cancel the royal family, you can pretty much cancel anybody. Oprah's most famous interview was Lance Armstrong. And it was prime time. The only reason she did the interview with him is because he wanted to come clean about doping. He knew he was caught red-handed and wanted to get in front of it. And she knew it. She won't do interviews like this unless they're going to be ratings grabbers. So you have to know that Megan and Harry were coming into this interview with some real dirt. Otherwise, Oprah wouldn't have even done it. So before you go taking one side over the other, keep an open mind about this stuff. But it looks bad, dude. Looks really bad. And while I'm talking about Lance, who definitely got canceled in the biggest way possible, and rightly so, pro cycling is one of the most dangerous sports I think I've ever seen. I mean, I've witnessed some career-ending races. One guy died. These guys not only push their bodies beyond the boundaries of what's healthy, they suffer on their bikes for days on end, but they travel at lightning speeds that even the motorbikes that follow them with cameras on the course, sometimes they can't, even ca- they can't keep up with them. So last weekend, I'm watching highlights of a race in France, and this guy was in the lead. He was going downhill on a mountain, took a corner too fast, at least 35 It had to be faster, like 45-something. Lost control, skids across the pavement into a bush on the side of the road. Bike goes flying. This guy doesn't even miss a step. Gets right up, gets back on his bike, catches the guys who passed him during the crash, eventually passes them and takes the stage win. That is not human. 
Being a pro cyclist is one of the unhealthiest things you can do to your body. If you don't believe me, read Tyler Hamilton's book, The Secret Race. That whole doping era was like, it was unfortunate. But once it started, there was no stopping it. And before doping, Lance was a powerhouse. But he started losing races in Europe to guys who had no business beating him. So he had to join them or just don't race. On a level playing field, I still think Lance would have won a a bunch of races. But he took it way too far. Injecting your own blood? That dude was an asshole too. Also, before I close the show out, let me tell you something about cyclists in general. Because I've been around this about 27 years now. They're fucking crazy. And they're tough. I mean, the sport is about suffering. If you don't like to suffer... You can be a casual cyclist, not a problem, but guys who take it seriously and ride hard, tough as nails, I'm telling you. So all this road rage against cyclists in places like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, all over the place, we get it. You're in a two-ton vehicle, we're on 30-pound bikes, protected only by a helmet. You hit us with your car, we're going to get seriously injured or die. But if you exit your vehicle on us during road rage, your odds drop like a rock. I've seen some guys get out of their car with their dukes up and get dropped like a bad habit. And most cyclists don't want trouble until it finds them. And then they have to deal with it. Now, for me, I've had way too many near misses on the road and I feel lucky to be alive. So I stick to trails more often than not, especially on dirt. And my only fear there is being attacked by a mountain lion. But the worst thing I saw was this big industrial truck. I don't know if it was a moving truck or something. was trying to run a road cyclist off the road. He came right into the bike lane and tried pinning him against another car, which was parked in the bike lane. Now, I didn't see anything before this, so I don't know what preempted all of it. But the cyclist gets ahead of the truck, stops, turns around, and flips the guy off. So the guy gets out of his truck. He's got a fire extinguisher in his hand, like he's going to beat the cyclist with a fire extinguisher. So the cyclist unclips, gets off his bike, and cycling shoes, mind you, right? They're really slippery, no grip. Dude comes at him with a fire extinguisher, brings it back to take a swing, and bam! Cyclist rabbit punches him right in the jaw, knocks him right the fuck out. Guy went down like a, like a sack of rocks, right in the middle of the street. I mean, the, the guy had to be an ex-boxer or something. It was crazy. But that was all I needed to see to keep my ass off the road. That was really bad. All right. That's my show for the week. Thanks for listening. Music in this episode by Grizz. G-R-I-Z. Check them out on Amazon Prime Music, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get music. Until next time, my name is Phil, and this has been Inane. Cheers.